You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hey everyone, Matt from Occupier here. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to another episode of the Fully Occupied Podcast. If you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe on your favorite listening platform or just shoot us a note at marketing at occupier.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on future guests, topics you'd like to hear about, ask us any questions you have, or just say hi. Enjoy the show. Louisa and Zan, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Very excited to be on. Yeah, I mean, we've seen you in real life in the prop tech circle, but it's good to have you on screen here and talking a little bit about what you guys do. Um, why don't you guys tell us what LMRE is, how it got started, what your mission is, your goals, and and then we can dive into it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Zam, why don't I uh, kick start and you can obviously go into a little bit more about, I guess, where... Uh, about North America. So, um, obviously, yeah, Matt, first of all, thanks so much for having us on the show and we'll have to get you on the podcast as well soon big fans of occupy big fans of the team what you're doing and very excited to see you for round two at blueprint like we we're just saying um for those listening or watching i don't know what clip it's you're going to see uh, my name's louisa dickens so founder of lmre so what we do we recruit into the real estate technology world so whether it be an early to post ipo a real estate technology startup it could be recruiting within to a vc it also could be recruiting into the global agencies, investment managers, whether it's Blackstone, JLL, CBRE, JL Technologies. And these hires are anything from commercial to technical. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, uh, junior and sort of senior hires. And can do any of that without, obviously, our amazing team, which is about 50 people across our offices, New York, London, uh, Berlin and Singapore. And that being said, talking about amazing team, I'll um, introduce you to um, Zan, who can talk to you about a bit of the work we're doing in North America, because I imagine lots of listeners are tuning in from there. Thanks, Lou. And yeah, thanks, Matt, for, for having us on board. Yeah, so I've been at LMRE for just over two and a half years. I joined LMRE on the basis of uh, Lou and Richard's looking to, to the US and, and Canadian market is kind of a high growth area. And you know the, the company itself has grown dramatically since, since I joined. So I think we were just under 10 people, perhaps you know, over two and a half years ago. And now, as, as Louisa said, around 55 to 60 right now, the number's kind of growing every week. So never sure what number we're, we're quite landing on. And it's been a super exciting time over, over that period. Uh, as Louisa said, working with a, a vast range of startups from seed through to post-IPO stage, um, VCs, the consultancies. And I think we've seen, you know, and we'll probably talk about this more um, in the coming minutes, but a real proliferation in certain areas that has shifted over the course of that 12 to 18 months. And so we're always learning about new businesses and companies and trying to, I guess, help them find the, the best talent in the market. Um, I know that I'm always learning about new technologies that are coming onto the market, and that's a big part of what we do is that, that, that consultancy piece of understanding people's businesses and kind of the, the technologies that they're adopting to try and shake up the industry. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned 
you mentioned about what our vision and mission was. So this is something we're actually updating at the moment, along with, I'm sure, a lot of tech businesses and founders out there uh, constantly trying to sort of um, keep up as you evolve. Our, our mission um, is to basically bridge that skill gap, skill gap between the real estate and technology world. That's what we want to do across the different clients, which we mentioned to you. Now, it's an, it's tough. We're obviously not just focusing on getting people from the real estate technology world. We look at adjacent industries, especially for the data and the product side. So we're basically championing this space to people from fintech, the hospitality sector, as well as the real estate world, and trying to sort of get people from all sectors globally into this space so we can continue to sort of innovate. We obviously talk about, we might touch upon diversity later, but if everyone's from the same space, there's little innovation and not as much can sort of happen. So that's kind of what we're trying to do. Cool. So it sounds like you have a pretty wide span of like both um, stages of companies that you work with, uh, stakeholder groups, whether they're VCs, institutional investors, the prop tech companies themselves. How do you how do you focus um, the team on you know the the most um, opportunistic areas right now? Because as you mentioned, Zan, like over the last eighteen months or something, you've seen the landscape shift mm -hmm. a lot. Is there is there a general thesis around global prop tech becoming more, um, you know, bridging that gap, or, or do you have to kind of make some calls and say, look, you know, climate tech is is going to be huge because of this new legislation in the U.S. So let's focus our efforts there. Like, how do you how do you make those decisions? Yeah, um, I'll I'll go first. This and Zan can obviously he's way more um, on the ground and knows exactly. I guess he's got his team which he focuses them on. Um, obviously, we have to, as a business, we have those partnerships, those VCs, because um, investment, when obviously sectors get investment, they grow, they need more talent. Talent also follows, um, will follow investment as well. And obviously, a lot more sort of millennials, Gen Zs are also following want to go work more, say, an impact company. So we obviously saw a few weeks ago, uh, Fifth Wall have their climate fund, I think 500 million raised, bloody massive. So that's a huge, uh, just in general, that is an example that's where we are hiring a lot of people to be more sort of, I call it climate tech. It's basic, yeah, it's sustainability technology companies and they grow from that sector. So the likes of Measurable and Deep Key. Um, I think another sector which we're really sort of looking at where we've seen a huge amount of investment is the context base. So I think in 2020, it had a record breaking year with 1.3 billion total funding and a growth of 56% in the last, I think, two years. And those are the businesses where it's like, Open space, Bridget, Procore, on site. You, you see what I mean? So with that, we're like, right, guys, we need to start looking at those areas. But there's still those, the huge demand and growth from the likes of, say, uh, Cretech, ResiTech, anything to affordable housing. So a lot of it is led by investment of VCs and ticket sizes, but equally, um, a huge amount of our um, our team, they are from real estate or they are from tech so we also just say they can have free reign and we're like look as long as you're helping businesses to the scale and there's that commercial element of it and you have an interest go for it because founders often buy into their consultants who take an interest in what their product actually is and understands what it is because we can't help really to do that unless like say we wouldn't be able to sell your business if we didn't know what value proposition occupier um occupier has if you see what i'm saying yep that makes a ton of sense it sounds like from an order of operations perspective, where the money goes is like where the opportunity is, because where where the v, where the VCs are finding opportunities, that's where growth and talent is going to be. Um, 
Yeah. You know, obviously, generally speaking, obviously that's kind of obvious, but um, with the fifth wall new climate fund, I mean, $500 million of investable capital is huge. So I would imagine mm. that all of these entrepreneurs who are probably very technical minded have been working on these really hard problems in the climate space are all of a sudden now kind of validated that, look, there's a leading VC in this space that is looking to deploy capital into your into your sector. That's going to just going to create more jobs and more opportunity for you guys to you know, go out and make mm-hmm. bridge yeah. that side, right? Yeah. Well, with that as well, and Sans, I'll let you go off this. I think a big point. There's one thing of obviously voting in industries that are scaling. Those industries that are scaling, there's another sort of sexy industry coming off that. So they'll also look at retaining. So it's really weird that everyone's always chasing something else. And so we've just done um, a salary report, which you mentioned just before. Those were fifth wall, global one about why do people stay in their in their companies um what um why how do you stop them from going to one of your competitors in this sort of tight market especially with plenty of MA sort of about to happen and going on um and then also you know what sort of cultural things within your company you know outside of base salaries and bonuses or equity what is it what is it that the gen z's sort of want to get you to go to your business rather than another sort of tech company you know so there's lots of other things which we're sort of looking into which we're trying to balancing and Sorry, Zan, I'll let you speak. I've got a terrible habit of this. <laughs> no, I think, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd agree wholeheartedly with, with Louisa on, on all of those points. I think, you know, the, the main job for, you know, for us is kind of really to listen to the market. So, you know, one standpoint is, is listening to, to the VCs, but it's also listening to the landlords, um, listening to the tenants, you know, going to, to, to events to understand what are the problems that, that people are talking about and reacting accordingly, you know, Biden administration, you know, latest, you know, fund towards climate change, that has a knock on effect into how um, the private market, private sector uh, sees like an opportunity within, you know, the, the, the ESG space. So that has a knock on effect as well as the, I guess the social standpoint mm. of how people are viewing um, the environment and sustainability. Mm. So all of these factors play into kind of how we, you know, make directions and calls. Um, and then ultimately it's down to our consultants who do have their own specialties within their positions to then, you know, have that conversation and, and develop that relationship and build out that um, sort of that book of business um, across the, the sector. Yeah. So we've talked about climate tech is obviously a burgeoning area of investment and hiring. Um, what about some of the more boring stuff? Like what other areas in <laughs> I mean, we're, we're a lease management software system. You know, we're trying to change like a really legacy industry um, in the broker and real estate world that have been doing the same stuff for the last, you know, several decades. We think that there's a huge opportunity in our space. Um, but, you know, we're vertically oriented towards solving like that problem. Like out, if you took the blinders off, like what are other areas in, in prop tech right now that interest you guys that are that are growing or that might people might not know about that could be exploding soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it's, it's interesting, I, I guess, the change that we've seen over the last um, 12 months, let's say. I think that if you, I think that over the last 12 months, a lot of people were looking at how people see and use space across the real estate sector. So if you're looking at commercial real estate, you know, proliferation of technologies around occupancy, you know, sensor related businesses, tenant experience, um, 
you know, flex office providers or flex operating software um, in the multifamily sector, looking at the living experience as, as well as like the amenities that you're that you're offering. Um, mm. I think that landlords have recognised that whether you're a commercial uh, or multifamily tenant, you do have choice, and so having that differentiation is important. But also, it can enable landlords to you know get longer leases or increase NOI, which is super important, especially in a tougher market. Um, I think that has been a large focus of kind of the last twelve months. I think that now, you know, especially with maybe a, a tougher market ahead. You know, it, it's maybe changing the dial slightly and it's looking at the efficiencies of how you do processes you know, like Occupier um, or it's about you know, having the visibility of how your building is using that energy data. Where can you make improvements? I know that those were a lot of the conversations that we saw coming out of Realcom. So I think, you know, from a budgeting perspective, I think that's an easier conversation to have than maybe a nice to have is, OK, how are you improving my um, you know, efficiency, like how are you improving my bottom line? And so I think that's where we're seeing like a, a little bit more growth um, or even maybe a trend that will shift over the next 12 months. And ESG obviously plays into that. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I think especially with potential recession looming, economic headwinds, it's the companies mm. that offer a solution that if you took it away from the customer, they'd be like, oh no, like we need that. Uh, mm. Those the companies that I think will survive long-term. Um, talk about a little bit about some of the people, because you guys are essentially connecting people to jobs and, um, or companies to people. What type of person wants to get into prop tech? Um, I'm a real estate guy, so like I'm a little biased because I already knew the space when I went over and worked at BTS and started a company. Mm. But most of the people that work at Occupier have no prior real estate experience. Is that normal or are you looking for people within the industry to kind of say, hey, look, there's a world out there that is is adjacent to what you do, but it's technology driven. Like, how does how does it spread across the board? I think it's it generally is so usually the makeup of a founding team is um, not often say two um, ex-prop tech people, often it's someone like from a technology background from a random industry and then someone who's actually the real estate uh, man or woman. So I think it all depends on like the founding team and what their vision is. What we always recommend is what happens is for the data, the product, the engineering, that comes from adjacent industries, but the commercial side of it, that's people who know sort of real estate, that's people who then want to get into business and get sort of more autonomy, something which is fast growth, better culture, often some maybe some more slightly younger tenacious people. I hate saying it, but that's often like probably that uh, that's what sort of happens. But it's the key thing is, and I mentioned the diversity piece earlier, it's like making sure that founding team hire people from different sort of um, backgrounds, different industries, different um, levels of experience to, um, to actually successfully sort of grow their business and get sort of new sort of fresh innovative ideas and um, why do people go into property technology and um, it honestly it's I, it I think if you're looking at sort of the data side uh, side people see the sheer opportunity I mean I'm not a data scientist but when I've spoken to them they love the challenge there's so much unclean data and like you know that's for them so that, that's why a lot of people are moving into um, real estate from say more a technical sort of point of view I think engineers, as uh, from our salary report, a uh, bit of the data I've looked at, they actually, 
real estate technology used to not pay that well. Now they've kind of clocked on me like, hey, if we really want the people to innovate, they're now paying actually quite good salaries, not across all businesses. They've obviously got to have the investment, but that's why some people are now looking at this industry. So it's the opportunity, it's the highest salaries. Um, and then going back to more on the sort of commercial side, people like uh, you, Matt, who originally from the real estate world, they are now saying, hey, I want that autonomy. I want to go to that fast growth environment. I want something slightly sort of cool. And um, that's just what I've seen. Zan, you speak to people a hell of a lot more than I do. Um, what, yeah. do you, what have you seen? I think that one of the big parts of why people get attracted to the prop tech sector is because, uh, you know, as Louisa mentioned, a lot of the founders of these startups often have been in the, in the real estate sector. Uh, not all of them, but a lot. And I think they have seen, and Matt, you know, you can speak to this yourself, but they have seen and lived through the inefficiencies of real estate and then have created a company um, to, to showcase the potential, you know, I guess, product roadmap or the opportunity that exists. And so a big part of what we do is, you know, is, is I guess, partnering with a startup to understand what the opportunity is and then selling them into kind of joining on that journey. And I think it's very attractive to, to hear from a founder or from, you know, from someone at LMRE to understand what the opportunity looks like within that market. And you know, a lot of people say the real estate sector, one of the last um, asset classes to, to be innovated or have you know, adopt technology. And you know, it's where the fintech market was 10 years ago. And so I think people are quite open to, to risk the people that are kind of coming into to the prop tech sector. Um, it is, I, I always feel like it's quite a, it's, it's a very young industry. It's in its infancy. It's in the first, you know, you know five, 10 years of kind of its growth trajectory. So I think you do have to ha you know, be open to the level of risk that exists within the prop tech sector. But with that does come opportunity. Um, you know, VTS is a great example um, that's really skyrocketed since it, since it was founded. And there are other businesses that are you know, looking like they're going towards that trajectory. So if you have the opportunity to join an early stage you know, Series A business, um, then I think you'll reap the rewards. So I think those are some of the reasons why um, people are interested in getting into it, whether that's from a tech perspective or from a commercial standpoint. Yeah, you touched, Louisa, you touched on um, like salaries starting to normalize a little bit because these prop tech companies are starting to realize if they want the best talent, they have to start to compete. Do you think there's a shift in that dynamic too with a lot of the big tech companies like announcing layoffs and more and more um, product people, engineers, um, probably willing to step away from the big company paycheck and say, look, maybe this is the right time for me to join a startup. I think the expectation is you're probably not going to make you know, the same salary that you would at Google if you joined a Series A company. But to Zan's point, there's opportunity there because you know, the upside of, of being a part of a, a big growth um, experience could, could kind of outweigh that salary expectation. Is, do you think that um, there will be like an influx of, of talent from big companies into the prop tech space? Yeah, I think also we've just had, um, definitely, we also had obviously the great resignation. Um, I think people are going to be uh, forced to one go back to working at new jobs so we're going to see a whole new supply of people who might work at those other tech companies and who decide to take the damn off um but also um we've just had a great resignation we're with a recession looming there's going to be so many more layoffs and people 
will look at different sort of avenues 100% and people are going to be looking to feel like where can I feel more valued where can I contribute more especially as people already live through a recession you knows what it's like to work for a big corporate and just be thrown out you know you know the last 100 in first 100 out sort of things so there's definitely what businesses need to be looking at coming into at, at the end of this year and going into early new year sorry to be doom and gloom but um <laughs> you've got to look after your good people but big businesses it's very hard you know i even struggle with business of 50 how to look after everyone it's very hard to keep up with people know how people are feeling and um, valuing people we all talk about values in the business but like making sure that everyone's bought into them is a nightmare i'm sure matt you find that as well with Occupy as you guys are growing yeah you, you, it's something that you have to constantly keep your pulse on um back back when you're like five to ten people you're just trying to put one forward, foot in front of the other and you know worrying about keeping the, your 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 baby alive but then when you get to a certain point it's like okay yep we have to focus on how yeah. our people are going to grow in their careers and if you focus on that then the outcomes will kind of figure themselves out right the product will be built better mm. Salespeople will be more motivated so you get more customers just generally, if people are happy at their jobs, they're going to do a better job. And if they're going to do a better job, then the net result is your company is hopefully going to grow. So, of course, if you have product market fit and a good product and, you know, solving a real world problem and stuff like that. So, yeah, we're 50 people now as well. And it's become, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just great to see we've hired ahead of people. She's incredible. Shout out Lauren Kester. Um, and we've started to put in processes and we don't want to make it feel like it's like this big company now where there's like HR and like mm. all these processes. But at the same time, if you don't codify like what you're actually trying to achieve um, from a culture perspective, it could get really messy. Yeah. And getting buy-in. But I think where we often right now, just in general, we get um, sort of brought in is when people often get to about the 25, 30 people mark and they're like okay we can't handle this we need like, a few key street requires to help us go to the 50 then once you get to the 50 which is amazing and congrats on that then it's like shit we got the next challenge to get us to the 100 marks so it's like those it's the first obviously proof product you then get to 10 you then get to the 30 if you get to 50 great then it's getting it to the next 100 and that's yeah that's when you call them the heavies aka lmre <laughs> that's right all right cool uh, fascinating stuff, guys. And I look forward to seeing you in, in uh, Las Vegas at the B Blueprint Conference in a few weeks. Um, always a fun time out there. But let's shift to our Fast Five questions section here. So we're going to go a minute answer each here. We'll start with Louisa and then Zan. You could you could uh, bring up the uh, bring up the rear on these. But this is our standard segment. Uh, question number one: If you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um. This is so niche and I'm pretty basic, but it'd be like chili halloumi fries with avocado. <laughs> that is very specific. Okay. Very basic. <laughs> She's a simple girl. But I want it now. Yeah. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. <laughs> Done. Dan, how about you? I am I'm gonna go more of a home um home cooked. Uh, route. So it's actually my mum's home cooked beef stew with a thick slice of white bread, plenty of butter, and a glass of milk. Just takes me back. So just stick to the ribs right there. Shout out to mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What well, up, Olivia Winterton? 
All right, question two. Um, if you could have either one of these superpowers, which one would you choose? To be invisibility whenever you want it to be or just to have super strength? This is for me a no-brainer, in invisibility. I'm so nosy. I would love to know what's going on in every conversation as I'm walking down the road. I'm the worst. If someone's got a text that pops up on the tube, yeah. I just literally stare at it. I want to know their response. I want to be involved. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting because invisibility, I think, is what I would go for as well. Because I was thinking about the super strength. You just end up having people say, oh, can you lift this up? And it would just get quite boring. Whereas you can... You bit lazy, are you, Zan? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I don't want to lift that up. Yeah, and with invisibility, like, to the opposite of what Louisa was saying, when you're in a conversation that you don't want to be in, you could just disappear. <laughs> yeah. Bad yeah. energy, not interested. Not interested, we're above that. <laughs> yeah, yes. The optimal Irish uh, exit. Yeah, exactly. I'm gone. Um, all right, question three. If you could travel back in time, what decade would you go to? Okay, so this is also a really niche answer. I thought, like, I'm obsessed with dinosaurs. Like, the era, I think it was, like, 250 billion years ago. It's called, like, the Mesoic era or something like that. I would go back to the Jurassic era, 100%. Interesting. I went very different. I went for the 60s. You know, sex, sex drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, you've got to have a look in there. Yeah, free love, man. Yeah, he's single, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite, favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, salted caramel. Ooh. And I'm sweet and sodi. <laughs> Honeycomb, I went for. It's got Honeycomb? Be. Yeah. Is that a UK thing? No, uh, Van, Van <laughs> Leeuwen did a great honeycomb. You should check it out, Matt. Oh, jeez. Because you're crispy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mint chocolate cookie guy. Have you ever had the Ben & Jerry's? Oh, you're a crowd pleaser. That's cool. I'm into it as well. It's delicious. That's your oh, Ben yeah. & Jerry's choice? Mint chocolate chip. Interesting. Mint, you know, mint chocolate cookie. It has like Oreo-type like Oreo like, cookies crumbled wow. up in ice cream. Never, Is that an American thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Straight out of Vermont. Um, all right, last question here. And we ask this of everybody. Who are two people you think we should invite to our show? Okay, so there's two girls who I love. And I'm sure Zani, who was on this before, would love as well. And Zani might have two different people. I think Courtney and Stephanie at LA, who will definitely be at Blueprint, who know so much, not only about the Canadian product market, but also what's going on um, in Genesis and North America. I think they'd be two great girls to have on it. Um, Zan, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, they would be fantastic. Both, both lovely women. Uh, I think they'd be a lot of fun and add a lot of interesting insights. I, uh, I also have got two that I think would be interesting is the founder of Snapped and their, their head of sales, Tom. I think it's a super interesting company. Mm. They've just raised a hundred million for a Series A, which is pretty staggering. Ooh. And Tom's also had a—he's a, a fellow Englishman, and has had a really interesting career across real estate. Lived in Hong Kong, New York, LA, um, and I think their their business looks like a an exciting one to 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 follow. Well, we will, hit, we will hit you up for an intro there because that does sound interesting. And um, shout out to Courtney and Stephanie at LA. They are investors in our, our company here at Occupier. I think we've had Courtney on in the past, so we should have a refresher. Uh, with her for sure. Right. 
fine. You can go with Zan's band. Well, I'm done with them. I go last. We'll do them all. We'll do them all. We hate losing. Well, Louisa, Zan, thanks for joining the show. Appreciate all the insight and congrats on all the success that LMRE has been having. And, you know, cheers to future growth and look forward to running uh, into you soon on, on the circuit. Perfect. Thanks so yeah. much, Matt. Thanks for having us, Matt. All right. See you guys.